This is the 12 Songs of Christmas, today with Nelson. My name is Alex Rawls, and this is my podcast on Christmas music. Today, I'm talking to Matthew Nelson, one half of Nelson, along with his twin brother, Gunner. Nelson are best known for their 1990 album, After the Rain, and the hit from it, Love and Affection. As twin handsome blondes with long hair, they were tailor-made for MTV. But when their label wanted a second After the Rain, and the brothers wanted to write songs that reflected their experiences since its release, it was clear that their time at Geffen Records would end sooner than later. They're now based in Nashville, and they've never stopped working, even if their profile isn't as prominent as it once was. In our conversation, Matthew talks about that. He also talks about Christmas with their father, singer Ricky Nelson, and he tells a good Christmas story about Grandpa Ozzy, Ozzy Nelson from the sitcom that ran through the 1950s and first half of the 60s, Ozzy and Harriet. He talks a lot about this Christmas and this Christmas too, two being T-O-O, a pair of companion Christmas albums that they released in 2015 and 2016. Each album is a mix of vocal and instrumental versions of Christmas songs, but each is a mirror of the other. Songs that appear with vocals on one album appears instrumentals on the other and vice versa. I'll talk with Matthew Nelson in just a minute. Then after that, I want to talk about a little-known body of Christmas music by Chris Mastheim that I think you'll like. First though, Matthew Nelson of Nelson on the 12 Songs of Christmas. I'm always curious what people's Christmases were like growing up because I think about how much, how much my relationship to music is shaped by, uh, by the Christmas, by the by, my experience with the Christmas music, you know, obviously as right. a kid. So I wonder what was Christmas like in the Nelson household. Well, for me, my my fondest memories and my brother's fondest memories really did revolve around Christmas because my pop was pretty much growing up. You know, he was the hardest working guy I ever knew. I mean, wasn't home a whole lot. Uh, I mean, sometimes up to three hundred days a year, he was out playing shows, and you know, we kind of came around right when he was forming his comeback band called the Stone Canyon Band and, and had a, a big hit with his song Garden Party, which, you know, meant he was gone even more. And and then that fell off almost as fast as it came on. So then he had to pay bills and he was gone. So one thing they, they would always do is Christmas was, was always, you know, nobody's working for, for the week, at least the week before and the week after Christmas. And it's kind of when the family reconnected, no matter what everybody was up to and everybody was doing. And uh, we always had a really big Christmas thing. You know, my mom kind of pulled out all the stops and, uh, you know, she'd decorate the house. It was just Christmas mayhem. It was like, you know, the, the Christmas spirit, you know, threw up all over our house. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was crazy. And, um, and it was awesome in that because, um, you know, the, the reality of it was we had great times in the family and some pretty tough times in the family, but it was, you know, Christmas was our safe, our safe haven. And everybody was, 
was happy and getting along and there was possibilities and hope and of course music, but um, we would always have a huge, you know, family Christmas morning. And, uh, you know, that was after, I guess we would always spend Christmas Eve over at Oz and Harriet's house in Hollywood, Hollywood Hills. And that, that was when all the cousins and all the aunts and uncles, everybody kind of used that as kind of uh, the official Christmas kickoff was, uh, was watching, you know, um, uh, the, the obligatory Christmas movies and having a huge dinner. And I remember we would get these little Christmas cards, you know, all the, the, the kids would get, you know, $5 from grandpa Ozzy and a Christmas card up on the mantle and, you know, the little traditions that kind of, you know, always used to connect you and root you in, in, uh, in who you were as a, as a, as a person, more important, made you feel safe. And, and I think that, that that's why we kind of, we kind of love the entire experience. I mean, my fondest memories were, you know, my mom and my dad together and all the kids happy and together. And, and, and you know, as a, as a dad now recreating that with my own, with my own uh, son, is is pretty amazing you know to relive all of that stuff all over again and uh you know gun and i as you know both of us as fathers taking what we learned into into our lives and passing it on and i think that's what's really cool about about the the albums that we put together they were companion pieces to an entire concept of of uh you know we should be going out and doing a show every year because most people in my industry uh, they stay home for the, like the month before, you know, everybody kind of closes down. You, people tend to, to prepare for Christmas and, and whatever holidays they celebrate. And uh, Gunnar and I love to play. We love to work, but more importantly, we really wanted to kind of spread that feeling that we had as, as kids and do it in, in, you know, we, we always wondered why our father never had a Christmas album like Elvis did, you know, and, uh, as dads, I think that's what really kicked us in, in, in the butt a little bit. You know, I wanted to leave something behind for my son and his kids that, uh, they could play at Christmas time and, and feel good. And that's really where those albums came about. Oh, cool. I was going to ask you, did he, I mean, obviously you just said he didn't record a Christmas album. Did he, did he record even Christmas singles? I've found oh, a yeah, few, yeah. I found a few Christmas songs, but performances by him on YouTube, but I hadn't actually, I wasn't aware of any, of any actual Christmas recordings. Yeah, there were, um, the two biggies that he did were, uh, Jingle Bells and the Christmas song, the Mel Torme song. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, he did, you know, they were on the Ozzy and Harriet show and he also released those. Um, and we did a re-release, uh, I think about, well, it's been a while now, about 15 years ago with Capitol, uh, did a double-sided 45 release, uh, you know, for people that were into that. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe help to make the season bright. 
tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep It's kind of neat to to hear him do. I mean, I, I, there's a little bit of of his style that kind of eked into what Gunnar and I thought about with our our presentation of Christmas songs. You know, we you know we wanted it to be not Americana sounding, but definitely you know what people kind of know us for besides looking like hot Swedish chicks is that we uh, you know we, we like acoustic music. You know, right. it's the two brothers singing. And that's what we wanted to do with this, but there's a little bit of that, that kind of rockabilly edge to a couple of the songs. Um, but for the most part, it's it's us in a room, old school, like like they used to do it with a couple of additional musicians that were in the room at the same time, and you know having fun and communicating musically, organically. And I think that uh, you know we got a chance to work with with a great couple of engineers that we knew from being in Nashville and we just wanted to make an album that, that what you weren't going to put on and hear it in 10 years and say, Oh, that sounds like, you know, 2000, whatever we wanted sure. it to, to be something you could you kind of put on. And, and fortunately we, I think we wrote a, a really, you know, we had a challenge as songwriters. We didn't just want to have some reinterpretations of some classics. I mean, obviously that's, you know, what people love, but, um, the challenge as a songwriter to write an original Christmas single that does well is way up there. Um, I mean, if you think about going up against Nat King Cole and Elvis Presley and even Mariah Carey and, and all these things that are, you know, Bing Crosby, I mean, these are things that are on the playlist no matter what every year, uh, you know? Sure. And, um, we were fortunate in that our, our, our single that we did, uh, it broke the top five on Billboard a couple of years in a row, and you know we'll I will walk around a mall and I can hear my song on the air, and I, I love that. Oh, it's got to be a great feeling. It is. It, it is, and 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 it's fun because again, being a Christmas song, uh, there are no guarantees. You know, if you you don't keep it keep it going or or keep pushing it, but you know it could disappear. But I think we've had enough success with it to know that it, it'll still be swinging around for a few years to come. And that, that makes me really proud.
You know, I want to back up to one thing you just said that I thought was really interesting, that talking about how sort of being conscious of the other, you know, the other big songs sort of in the Christmas canon, when you mm-hmm. set out to write a song, and and I wonder, when you set out to write any other song, when you set out to write a love song, when you start to write mm-hmm. a love song, sure. are you thinking about how is my love song going to stack up next to the other love songs? Do you think about how no. is my breakup song? Or is it something it's, specific to Christmas that makes you think about how you fit in that specific box? Well, because yeah, that's one thing that's the major challenge is that you're limited by the format. You're limited, and more importantly, by the history of the the music that has become part of people's lexicon. You know, you don't want to take away their memories. You want to add to them. And as a songwriter, I hadn't really been put in that that position before, really, which is, okay, you know, uh, you, you got all those classics, and what are you going to add to that spirit but with your own spin that people are going to want to make a part of the soundtrack of their lives and pass it on to their kids? I mean, it was... It's it's a real challenge, and I got to tell you, as a songwriter, um, I think my two my two greatest joys of of uh, I mean, at least as far as as you know, success milestones would be hitting number one with a song that we wrote because our dad never got a chance to do that in his career, and um, and we did, and and same thing with our grandfather. We have we have three generations in a row of number one hit makers, but we're the only ones that actually wrote our number one, and. Um, and then you have a Christmas song that, that we wrote that, uh, that did well that way. Um, you know, I, I have other milestones. Like I, I still don't think those are the best things I've, I've written. You know, there are a couple of things that we've, we save for when we play our live shows that, that honestly people just are floored with a couple and they're not even hits. And I, you know, as a writer, that's, that's a nice thing to communicate that. But I do, I really do enjoy you know, the challenge of writing a hit song. And uh, I, I don't, except for maybe, you know, writing a replacement for the birthday song, I, <laughs> don't, know, <laughs> I don't know what else you could do that, that's a tougher challenge, really, in popular music. It's, it's hard. Can you take but, me inside uh, the process of, of making the song, of, record, of uh, writing it? Of writing a song? No, of writing, of writing This Christmas. Well, what happened was we were at our, our friend, um, it, it just, you know how it is as a, as a writer, you, you write what you experience, you write what you're around, uh, you know, you might write something that comes to you. Um, you know, I always say that, that I, I have skills that I've honed, but I, I also say that I, the thing that's beautiful about music is that it doesn't come really come from me. It comes from something bigger than me. I'm just kind of, I'm the radio that, that it comes through. And I think any, any songwriter will say the same thing, you know, it's, it's divine. So we were just kind of hanging out, uh, at our friend Michael and Kathy's house in, in Franklin, Tennessee. And, uh, it was, uh, we had been working on, uh, on the beginnings of the Christmas album and Michael and Kathy have a daughter named Alyssa Bonagura and she's a very talented girl. And we were all hanging out in the tracking room, just kind of playing around with the idea of writing a Christmas song. And Alyssa said, you know, I have a chorus that I was, was kind of working on. It's not done, but I, I think it's an interesting idea. You know, the idea being if, you know, if you can't tell somebody at Christmas that you've had a crush on them and that you love them, you know, they've been like friends of yours for a long time. And you just, you know, you're taking that moment to let them know how you feel. Then when can you do it? 
And Gunnar and I grabbed our guitars and said, that's a great idea. Let's hear what you got. And she started with um, the very beginnings of the chorus of this Christmas. And then we started playing songwriter tennis. And and that's kind of what it is where, you know, you just start saying, well, what if we go this way? And what if we go that way? And, and, you know, the funny thing about it is, you know, before we knew it, a few hours had gone by, it felt like a flash. And we had this beautiful little, little Christmas pop song that had such a cool little twist to it. And, um, you know, it's so, it's so weird. It's like, we, nowadays it seems like nothing safe musically like not even christmas music i mean there was this huge hubbub which i couldn't believe over baby it's cold outside and you know like in canada they banned it because they said it promoted rape culture i mean it was like are you effing kidding right it's, you know seriously it's you know first of all it's a classic piece of music and it doesn't do that and uh, you know i think some people are the Christmas Grinch, but I mean, you could find fault in anything, but my, my point is, you know, if you're a songwriter and you kind of get out of the songs way and, and, and you, you love what you do and, and you love what's coming through you, it, it just, if you're lucky, it just happens. And, and I think that's kind of what happened with this Christmas was, uh, we envisioned it as a duet kind of like baby it's cold outside, but you know, with a, with a more innocent kind of sweeter, tone i think and um you know Liz has got a great voice and the first time we released the song we released it with her singing the duet with us and um we thought we should re-record it with our friends carney and wendy wilson from wilson phillips um you know brian's daughters too sure. we'd always talked about doing kind of a new mamas and the papas thing so wow this is perfect we get to do a new mamas and the papas with a christmas single and you know did a little video with it and it was a hit all over again so kind of cool I gotta say, I wonder how did the uh, how did the girl who who helped helped you write it and who sang it the first time how did she feel about be about uh, sort of giving up her spot for the for the Wilson sisters? Well, she's a professional. So yeah, she understood it. Sure, um, she still wrote the song. Um, I still love her version. Right. Uh, it's and it's, again, it's the same song, but it's kind of got a little bit of a different vibe. Sure. Um, and uh, Alyssa is. She's in a band called uh, uh, the Sisterhood Band with Rod Stewart's daughter Ruby, and they have a duet and they've been touring with Rod and stuff. And she's she's kind of doing okay, you know. Um, I I honestly thought that uh, it, looking back on it, I think it's interesting. She doesn't really mention the song all that much, but it really is her her only big Billboard hit, and. Um, you know, I, I'm, she's a, she's a great writer. You know, she wrote a song called, uh, I, I make my own sunshine. There was a kind of a commercial, uh, song. It was a jingle that, that became a hit. And, um, what I love about it is she's so much younger than Gunner and I are that, you know, she really grew up with a whole different world of social media and, and, you know, different, different things, but her parents were famous as country musicians. So we kind of had something in common and, um, you know, very talented girl. You know, she calls us her brothers. And um, it's really neat. As far as I, I'm concerned, it's just really neat that we created some, something really enduring and, and musically fun and magical. I think it's going to be around a long time. And I, I do think it's the kind of song that more people are going to cover. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a song where you can hear both. 
song where you can hear people reasons for people to want to get involved, but you could also hear places where people could find ways to sort of imprint themselves on it and at some level Absolutely. make it their song. Sure, it's a great. Um, it's it's something that other people could flesh out and make it their own. But it's a great song, and I think Alyssa was funny. She um she you know she didn't really say anything when we you know I I called her and said we're we're going to recut it and try to give it another bit of life, and she thought that was a good idea actually. And then I found out after the fact that she released a version of it with her singing the whole song. Which oh I cool, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so there you go. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So by the way, I should I should confirm here because as you're talking, are y'all are you basically Nashville based now? Is that? Yeah, we've been, you know Gunner's been here twenty nine years. He's lived here, okay. and, and I've been here almost ten. But I've been making music for thirty. You know, we uh, we got signed to a country deal here at Warner Reprise in ninety five. You know, after our big success over at Geffen with uh, with uh, the harder pop that we were doing. So we're we're pretty. I, I knew that I was I knew that I was considered a local when we were actually doing the Christmas album and Ed C who's a great engineer that I always wanted to work with. He uh, used to work a lot with people like Martina McBride and the Dixie chicks and things like that. And I always loved his records and we were, we we're making this thing and, and mixing it. He was doing the mix and I was approving and, and stuff. And, and I kind of mentioned that Gunnar and I had been working on a, a, a project, a country project uh, because our, our, our false start over at Warner reprise, it just never happened because the marketing department there, and I quote, say, nobody would think it was real. You had too much success as pop artists, ah, which I thought ah, was hysterical. Ah, ah. Um, and that was a long time ago. But but I mentioned, Ed, we were, we're going to take another swing at that because it's kind of naturally what we've been doing for years. And he looked at me and he said, well, of course you are. I said, what do you mean? He goes, everybody here knows you guys are locals. Everybody's waiting for you guys to come out with something. You know, Gunnar and I have been out between between doing um, evening with shows, and especially our Ricky Nelson Remembered show, which is basically, you know, it's it's a country show. You know, we we actually put together something. Um, we still do Nelson shows. We still do scrap metal shows, which is kind of a kind of fun. It's all the lead singers of those '80s hair bands in one band. In this oh, really great. characters. Musically speaking, we're we're really we're really busy and having fun with it. But our uh, our country project we're calling Firstborn Sons and. That's going to be out this uh, this coming year. We're we're uh, we're almost done with the album now, and we're excited about it. It's just musically, it's kind of almost like the challenge of writing a hit country or a hit uh, Christmas song. It's um, you know, I'm all up for doing something that people wouldn't really obviously expect us to do. Oh, that's great. And, yeah. So before we uh, before I had the recorder on, you started to tell me the story of how the album came about in the first place. Sure. Yeah. Well. It gets hot here in Tennessee, and we were at, uh, <laughs> at our friend Michael and Kathy's, and we we're outside. And I'm not much of a drinker, but I, you know, Kathy um, 
you know, they had a band called Bailey and the Boys in uh, the 80s, and they were touring with people like Vince Gill and stuff like that, and George Strait, and, you know, they had their, their own uh, success as country singers, and they got this great little studio up in an attic, and uh, we brought over our vintage recording gear, and we were just kind of uh, writing some songs, and, and Gunner and I, uh, over a couple of margaritas, kind of just opined that it would be really nice if at the end of the year when everybody else kind of slows down and kind of concentrates on the holidays that we could do, do that ourselves and have a, a traditional Christmas run that we do a Christmas tour and not like what most people do where it's like they throw in a couple of obligatory, you know, Christmas standards in with their regular set. But I mean, a real Christmas show where we shut off the other stuff that we do. And, you know, we learned a lot by doing our, our uh, celebration of our dad's music, the Ricky Reynolds. Remember, I think we actually, you know, we incorporate video with that and tell stories through video and then come back and play songs. And, you know, it's a really nice thing that that, that became. What if we did something completely with new video and, and uh, you know, what's the story here? And by, you know, it took a half an hour to say, well, what if we went through three Nelson family Christmases in the show? You know, we start with our grandparents and Oz and Harry and, and Uncle Dave and Pop and, and and then what it was like for us growing up in the 70s, you know, when Christmas toys were designed to kill you and there was no fun police. And then, you know, to now being dads and, you know, where we're heading and then tell that story and interweave it with 50 years of, of Christmas music. You know, of course, our our dads and then going through ours and, and, you know, we have to make an album. And before we we were done, we realized that we might not be able to get it all in in an album because – I always thought of, you know, wrapping presents and stuff and having Christmas albums on and just letting them play that uh, I'd like to do maybe a couple of uh, instrumental versions of some songs and some with vocals. And then we decided to do all of the songs, both instrumental and with vocals, and it became a double album. So we had this Christmas and this Christmas, too. And I think what I'm going to wind up doing is packaging it as a double and just selling it for a single album price. Um when we play our shows and it's available commercially. But one thing I love about it is by the time the album got done and, you know, it's funny how it kind of had a life of its own between writing this Christmas and then uh, being introduced to Molly Cherry Holmes, who's been out with us for four years now on our Christmas thing. She, she came from the bluegrass world and is a, a freak show on a, on a fiddle. And I hate fiddle. I, mean, no, I really don't uh, like it. Uh, uh. I don't like it. I, I mean, I've recorded with the best of the best, and honestly, she's changed my mind. She's uh, She was brilliant, and a lot of the stuff you hear on those albums, that's her one taking it. I mean, just flying off the cuff, and I love that musically, when people can actually do that. And um, so uh, when we packaged it all up, and Ed C. mixed it, and then we had a great mastering engineer... I felt like we actually had an album that I could look people in the eye and say, this is not just a, you know, cash grab Christmas album. This is a music, really a wonderful Christmas music expression that I'm really proud of. I'm proud of when I'm not here. That's going to be one of my, my lasting impressions is, is that, that little body of work there. And, um, I'm really glad how it turned out. I think it sounds great. It feels great. You feel good listening to it. And it's exactly what we wanted to do.
answered this, but I wanted to make sure I, I got it. Why did you make sure you, why did you include instrumental versions? Well, because we, we recorded uh, both. What we decided to do was do every song with vocals and, and as an instrumental. And I, I loved them all so much that I decided to, to you know, if we, we came up with this Christmas and then we kind of decided to release this Christmas too the next year. Uh, with the new recording of, of uh, the single. And uh, that way, all the music that we made that I was really proud of, I, I didn't want it to just wind up, you know, not getting out there. And sure. so, I, you know, it just kind of became what I envisioned to be, you know, it's going to be repackaged both albums together. And it's just going to be called This sure. Christmas. And and uh, it'll be a double album. Sure. You know, I know people aren't going away from CDs and stuff, but we still sell them at our shows. And, and uh it makes a swell gift, and it's one size fits all. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> well, here's where I was going with that question. I was more yeah. interested in. I think you said that you had that. You know, you remembered listening to albums, mm-hmm. uh, like while rapping, and, sure. and and what I was trying to pick up in there was was where how how instrumental songs fit into that it wasn't a matter i mean i got that you know doing the both versions i get which and they and i like the instrumental version there's times there's like i'm not sure which version i like better which is obviously i'm sure it's a positive for you but i'm trying to pick up why why for you know why for two of you who are known for your singing Mm -hmm. would instrumentals sort of enter your mind as a thing that you ought to record oh thank you for well the the truth is I'm glad that we're known for for the singing part. Um, you know, Gunnar and I are fairly serious musicians, and people don't really know that. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time somebody after a show, and I, I, I like the compliment, but it's almost backhanded. They they always say, man, you play the hell out of that thing. I had no idea. It makes me go, thanks, I guess. <laughs> you know I mean? So, um, you know, because I, I mean, I've been, I've been playing um, – I've been playing music since I was six. And if I'm not good at it by now, I should really hang it up. But um, I guess that's the difference is that, you know, Gunnar and I, we started as live musicians. We always played with people that were between 10 and 15 years older than we were when we were kids. Um, and we had to keep up. And we noticed that, um, frankly, when we started uh, that, uh, and especially when we really started swinging the fences, you know, for the fences with a record deal, um, you know, people were a little tougher on us because of who we were and where we came from. And, you know, it makes me happy to say I sold millions of records to people who had no idea who Ricky Nelson or Ozzy and Harriet were. But I think that we learned the hard way that nobody was going to do it for us, you know, and it wasn't a hobby. I'm not going to name names, but we didn't just wake up one day and go, wow, we would really look good singing and making a video. Let's just try this. It's, you know, we, we knew what we wanted to do. We were like, like little athletes, you know, working at it and practicing and playing and stuff. So whenever I get a chance to, to be an actual musician, I, I mean, I, I, I was hired to do the American music awards and the billboard music awards for 13 years as a, just as a bass player, um, with some pretty heavy cats. And, you know, I'm okay with the fact that, you know, people in, in certain circles know that and, you know, that I'll, I'll get a call to do vocals or play on people's records. But, um, some of the stuff I've done is pretty surprising to be honest with you as a, as a, as a background guy, you know, I, I um, I, I sang backup with Corey from Slipknot on something for 
for the band Steel Panther. I sang on their first oh, great. three albums, you know, and, um, you know, doing the Billboard and American Music Awards stuff. And, and uh, you know, I think uh, I won a Dove Award for for singing back up on a, on a Christian rock album of the year for a band called Day of Fire. And I didn't know anything about it except I wanted to work with the producer that had done a lot of records for um, White Zombie and Rob Zombie. And it was just different and weird and cool. And, you know, it's kept me really, uh, as a musician, keep, keeping me on my toes. And, you know, sometimes I'll play guitar. Most of the times I'll play bass. But to ha- actually have a chance to, to stretch out and musically release something that's 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 just a you know i think i think we do it in nashville a lot more than other places still um you know just getting and sitting around and 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 cutting heads and letting people just kind of stretch out a little bit we got a chance to do that when we were making the album and i thought man this to me is what music really is of course it's the singing is important but just people communicating with their instruments is just as important to me you know and um, never really had a chance to release anything where people could kind of hear us play. I mean, for, for the most part, Gunner playing drums on everything, right. you know, and Gunner was a drummer before he was a guitar player and he's a great guitar player now. It's just, um, you know, I'll never, I'll never be a fiddle player. I'm telling you that right, right. now. Ha, 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 <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, so I, I guess, I guess what I'm saying was I'm glad that I'm really glad that you like the, the instrumental stuff. I, I mean, I do remember just kind of sitting around the house and just having some instrumental music going in the background. It was more like the music type thing, but I wanted to make sure that if we had something that people could just like leave on and let loop that they weren't going to get bored and it was going to keep their vibe up and, and um, you know, it went to different places. Sure. So hopefully it worked. I'll have a blue Christmas without you so blue thinking about you decorations of red on a green Christmas tree won't be the same dear if you're not here with me and when those blue I think the toughest thing that I, I did on that album to try to make my own was Blue Christmas because you can't you you have to hear Elvis every time you hear the song. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have covered it, but um, you know I think Elvis's version honestly is still better because it's Elvis. But um, did my best to to do that. But there's a lot of things where um, you know, like Santa Claus is coming to town it's just so fun how we kind of did a little jump swing thing to that, you know, just something a little different. And, um, I guess that's what it is. It's just, you know, if the, if the song that day wanted to live with, with a, a different vibe, that's kind of where we went with it. And, you know, most of those, um, actually I think all of those songs, the, the, the larger portions of the songs were all cut pretty much live and then polished. So, um, I really want the best album that I ever did, was a, a kind of an alternative rock album that I did with a side project I had called Red 37. And, and we went into an old studio and before they decommed it called Sound City in L.A. And Dave Grohl did a movie about it. And we were one of the last bands in there. And we did it. Um, we did a 14 song album 
mixed in five days. Wow. And there's nothing like the energy that you can get doing it that way, which is everybody mic'd up, looking at each other, smiling at each other, nodding to each other, going, I'm going to go this way. And, you know, there's, there's, you can't replace that. And this world is so much about looping stuff and polishing it and tuning it and, and all that, that I kind of wanted to get away from that a little bit, you know, it's kind of as a musical statement on, on the Christmas albums. And I think that it, it worked out, you know, uh, they're still kind of doing that here in Nashville with, uh, with live musicians that, you know, they'll go in, everybody's all mic'd up and they'll do things in one take and then you, you kind of polish it up. But for the most part, the energy of the song is what our dad was doing or the Beatles were doing or, you know, which I still really appreciate. And I, I hope that never fully goes away. It kind of is just by people making music on computers. But but I, I kind of like that. It to me is that's what that's what it's all about. Thanks to Matthew for that conversation. Next, I want to talk about Chris Mastheim. Chris Mastheim is Vancouver-based musician Nicholas Kurgovich, and I interviewed him for one of the first episodes of 12 Songs. Unfortunately, I was just getting my tech game together, and not only did the first interview end up unusable, but a second interview ended up unusable as well for a different reason. After doing two interviews with him on the same material, I didn't see how he'd be able to do a third that had any life in it. So I let the idea of interviewing him for 12 songs go, at least for now. And I hope to get back with him in the next season or two when we can both be fresher to the conversation. Kurgovich released uh, three EPs under the name Chris Mastheim, M-A-S-T-H-E-I-M, that are up on his Bandcamp page. And they feature Christmas songs and melodies laid over fragments of popular songs that he treats like live samples. For instance, he sings Christmas Time is Here from a Charlie Brown Christmas over the theme to uh, David Lynch's Twin Peaks. And he mimics the Pet Shop Boys sound and Neil Tennant's deadpan vocal to sing Children Go Where I Send Thee. The mashup-like tracks invite you to think about how the words and the sampled tracks fit together. Even though Kurgovich likely makes a choice as he does for musical reasons more than conceptual ones. He sets O Come All Ye Faithful in the Human League's Human, and because he makes no effort to hide the source material, you have the chorus I'm Only Human in your mind as he sings about faith, something humans struggle with because they're human. The three EPs, Christmas Style, obviously Christmas Time being a play on Christmas Time, The Return of Christmas Time, and Christmas Time is Here are all smart, fun, and cool, particularly if you're tired of being asked to feel festive to songs that were recorded before you or your parents were born. Here is his version of O Come All Ye Faithful. And again, you can find it and the rest of Kurgovich's Christmas Time recordings on Bandcamp.
Thanks to Matthew Nelson for the time and the talk. You can find him at Nelson Band on Facebook, where you can find me at 12 Songs of Christmas. Nicholas Kurgovich is on Facebook as well, and you can hear the Christmas time music on Bandcamp. Thanks to AF The Naysayer for our theme music, and thanks to you for listening. If you haven't done so yet, I hope you'll subscribe to 12 Songs at Apple Music, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify. And if you can, leave a review. That will help others find out about 12 Songs. We'll finish today with one more from Nelson's This Christmas. This is their version of Holly Jolly Christmas. Talk to you next week. Have a holly jolly Christmas. It's the best time of the year. Well, I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street, 